Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. I love history. I love uh, American history. And um, one of the greatest battles in World War II, or one of the great, uh, uh, one of the great uh, victories that the Allied forces had in World War II, we don't hear a lot about, but there is a, if you want to watch it, there's a documentary that is on Amazon, and uh, you can watch it. It's an amazing documentary. And, um, but it's the story of, um, of an uh, Army Ranger division. And uh, if it wasn't for them, that the invasion of Normandy may not have been a success. Matter of fact, it was the early morning hours of June 6, 1944, that a prominent position among the coast of Normandy was the focal point of an assault by the U.S. forces and allied, allied forces, forces named Point de Hoc as one of the most dangerous German defenses positioned on the Normandy coast. This cliff this top location that was between Utah Beach and Omaha Beach uh, was the highest point in the Normandy beaches. And uh, it was located uh, between the two beaches that the Allied forces invaded. Uh, and these cliffs exceeded 100 feet high on the, on the edge. In order for the invasion of Normandy to work, there were several key, there were several, uh, key missions that had to take place before the invasion. And one of them was the mission to capture this Point de Hoc. And um, the Germans uh, had installed a battery of uh, uh, 155 millimeter guns on top of this cliff. The range was over 20,000 yards and could have given uh, support to Utah Beach and Omaha beaches with artillery fire, uh, which threatened the thousands of American soldiers who would have soon uh, landed uh, on these beachheads. So on top of uh, Point de Hoc, the Germans had uh, these, these gunneries that were up there, and uh, they were support for uh, the German army and the important thing was is that the mission of the second the second uh, division of um, of the army was to capture this point de hoc. But the interesting thing was is that they had to come in uh, unexpectedly, and so they had trained for weeks on the British Isles. They were trained by many of the British commandos that taught them how to scale cliffs. And so on the morning of D-Day, they piled into their military boats and began to head towards the shore of Point de Hoc. And they were to scale the high high cliffs and to take take forces on top of Point de Hoc so that they could take out those guns so that when the invasion happened later that day, that the Germans could not shoot and destroy the Allied forces that were taking Normandy. 
It was an interesting thing. Dwight D. Eisenhower planned the operation. It was called Operation Overlord. Rangers of the 2nd and 5th Battalion under Colonel James Rudder. And uh, what happened was is that the 2nd Division of Rangers uh, Battalion was made up of 225 soldiers. And they had the 5th Division, which was support, which would have come in later. At dawn, they would scale these cliffs and neutralize uh, these positions. And so these rangers on that morning, they headed toward Point de Hoc. They were like 40 minutes later than what their scheduled attack time was. Uh, they arrived at 7.10 a.m. and they, uh, the, uh, the military forces expected them to be there at 6.30 and they were 40 minutes late. Uh, on their way there, they had one ship capsized and uh, there were 25 soldiers on each uh, boat and uh, 24 of them drowned and one uh, was shot and killed. So they lost one boat on the way in. And then when they arrived, the, because of the high waves and the water, they had had these, uh, uh, these guns that shot ropes up to the top of the cliffs and would stick into the cliffs that they could climb up, ladders they could climb up. Well, Germans were on top, and as they got to the beach, they realized that the, the, the ropes that they were to climb was soaked with water and became heavier than normal. So they had difficulty getting them up the cliff and stick inside the cliff, let alone begin to climb. But when they began to climb, the Germans would begin to drop grenades and begin to shoot. And as one man would fall, another man would climb up. And so they invaded the beach. And after, and after a short period of time, they reached the top. And uh, many of them got to the top and made it. And uh, when they got to the top, they overcame the Germans that were there. But what was interesting is that when they got to the top, they realized that the gunnery that they were looking for, the Germans had moved. And so they had 90 men that made it to the top. Out of 225, 90 men survived and got to the top. And when they got to the top, they realized that the gunnery had been moved. And so they were like, well, what do we do now? Well, they had, they had a man by the name of Leonard uh, Lomel, who was a first sergeant. And he had a staff sergeant with him by the name of Jack Coon. And, it's, and they said that when they got to the top and they realized that those gunneries were not there for them to destroy, they didn't know what to do, so they decided that they were going to search for them. And so uh, the staff sergeant gathered uh, Jack Coon. His name was Leonard Lamel, and he, he gathered Jack Coon. They stood, and they gathered some soldiers, and they prayed. And this is what they prayed. They said, Lord, you know all things. All things cannot be hid from you. And we pray that you order our steps and show us where these guns are. And they marched 250 yards to the east. And they found the camouflage where the Germans had hid those guns. And they proceeded to destroy those guns so that they could not be used against the Allied forces as they came against, uh, as they invaded Normandy. They had to spend two days there defending that area. Uh, and keeping the Germans from retaking that spot. And eventually there was reinforcements that came. 
And on June 9th, the, seven, uh, the, the 743rd Tank Battalion came and the 116th Infantry showed up and delivered them all. Dwight D. Eisenhower says that it had not been for those that scaled um, that cliff and scaled that area and took out those gunneries that uh, they probably would not have, it would have been a sadder story in Normandy. They would not have been able to be successful at that invasion. It's a great story. It's a great story of heroic uh, sacrifice. Matter of fact, in 1984, 40 years after um, the uh, invasion, Ronald Reagan gave a Memorial Day speech on that spot and spoke of the heroes of, of uh, Point de Hoc. They actually have a memorial there that's there now that's a plaque that has the name that talks about what had happened there. It's both in English and in French there in Normandy. As I thought about that, I thought, man, what a battle to have to fight. And I thought, what great sacrifice of those men having to scale that cliff. And as some being knocked off and being killed, you still had to climb. You still had to go. And, and what a great battle that it was. But I believe there's another battle this morning that goes on. That goes on in the believer. That's part of the warfare of the believer. And I think it's the battle of the mind. I believe it's a battle that each believer faces this morning. I believe every one of us face the battles of our mind. That there's, there's warfare in our minds that has to go on. And so I believe it's God's, it's God's desire that we win the battle of our mind. I believe uh, that when we win the battle of our mind, that the perfect will of God is proven. We know that through Scripture. If you would look with me at the book of Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Some translations say, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Turn with me over to the book of Romans chapter 12. And verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God? See, through the renewing of our minds, we're able to prove that perfect will of God is proved in our life. People who believe the right things about God will put his will on display. I believe that. To do kingdom work is to view reality from God's perspective. It's God's desire that we view reality from his perspective. And so I want to talk about some troop tools this morning. All of us go through mental attack. The war, the war that goes on in our minds. I believe we can, we can be healed from the mental strongholds that are in our lives. Many of us struggle with our thought life, struggle with how we view God, how we view ourselves through God. And I believe that some of those strongholds that are placed in our life are put there by the enemy. 
And what happens is when those strongholds get in our minds, what happens is people come in agreement with those strongholds, whether knowingly or unknowingly. But I believe that God wants to pull those strongholds down in our life. To pull those strongholds down. And and I believe that relationships have suffered and succumbed to unholy mind wars in our life. But I believe they can be restored. God can restore relationships. If we learn how to come to Him and repent of these things, then He will restore them. But in the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about mind wars, but I want to talk about the fact that we need, as the body of Christ, need to serve notice on the enemy. That the enemy will no longer going to be able to hold us captive with wrong thoughts or negative thoughts in our life about God or who God is. And I believe in the next couple of weeks we're going to expose the devil for who he is. He has stolen from many of us a lot of our mental freedom. He has ripped us off, as you would say. And I want us to take a look at, because the thing is, the Bible says that when our mind is renewed, we become transformed internally. We are transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. That if our minds are renewed, we become transformed in God. But as I was reading Proverbs chapter 23 and reading that verse It caught my eye in verse 7 when it says, As a man thinks, so is he. I want to focus on that word thinks there. And when you think of it, you think, well, what does that mean? Well, it means to think. I mean, it is what it is, right? As a man thinks, as he thinks. But it's the only time in the New Testament that that word is used there. It's an interesting word in the Hebrew Because it has three expressions of the word. One means he thinks as a man thinks. In other words, he calculates. Two, he estimates value. It means to calculate as a man thinks. In other words, he calculates. He estimates value of something when he thinks. But the third word is interesting. It means to be a gatekeeper means to be a gatekeeper of your mind. In other words, as a man thinks, as a man masters over his thoughts, so is he. And we're gatekeepers of our mind. And so based on that, how we calculate, how we estimate value, how we determine when we, how we are the gatekeepers of our own mind, and when how we value and how we calculate determines who we are and what we do. We say to God, oh God, I give you my body, a living sacrifice. Lord, I give you my heart, which is my hearing, my ears to hear, and my heart, it is my spirit is alive. But most Christians haven't learned how to love God with their mind. Most Christians don't know the importance of what your mind does for you, the importance our mind is, and how sacred and holy our mind can be. The war 
And that is why there is a war that wages against it. We've got to learn how to wage war. We've got to learn how to be a gatekeeper, to calculate and estimate the spiritual eternal value of the thoughts you're thinking because what we do with them determines who you are. What you do with those thoughts will determine who you are, how you think, what gets past, what you allow past the gate of your mind. It will determine who you are and actions that, and the actions that you do. If you embrace godly thoughts, then your action, if you embrace godly thoughts, then your actions and all your thoughts and your mind will experience peace. But if you embrace negative, wrong, unholy, unrighteous thinking, actions will not be going, are not going to be holy and they're not going to be right. What you think on long enough is exactly what will become, what will come out of you. What you think on long enough is what exactly will come out of you. As a faithful gatekeeper of your mind, you have to ask yourself, is this the will of God? Is this true? Is this noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it of good report? Is it virtuous? Is it lovely? Is it praiseworthy? Isn't that what Paul tells us, the eight things that we are to as, as gatekeepers of our mind, we need to ask ourselves as gatekeepers of our mind. If it doesn't line up with God and his word, it doesn't get access to my, my life. If it doesn't line up, how many know it's God's desire that we have a sound mind and not be at the mercy of our passions and our crazy thought life. Listen, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. A habit reaps a character, and a character will reap a destiny. Destiny is determined by the organized thoughts in our minds. That's true whether good or bad. I think it's past time that, we, that Christians start thinking about what we're thinking about. <laughs> Do you not agree? We're to be faithful gatekeepers of our mind. If not, it's not, it, it's not I can't watch it or hear it. It's just not good for me. It's not, not God calling me to do it. We have to be intentional about what we let in our spirit. What we do with our thoughts that we think. We can't let them run, run wild and go unchecked. We can't flirt with holy thoughts. And we can't fantasize about them. As faithful gatekeepers, you have to say, hey, a thought comes in your mind, you have to say, who are you? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish in my life? Are you good for me? Help me grow. Are you going to help me grow in knowledge and grace in Jesus? We have to be intentional. You can't completely control the thought 
the thoughts that you think. That's the good news this morning. You can't control all the thoughts that come into your mind. <laughs> That's the good news. Thank God that you can't, we can't control every thought that comes into our mind. It's a good thing you can't see what comes into our minds, each of us. But we can control what we do with them. We can't control the thoughts that come into our mind, but we can control what we do with them. What you do with them, in a biblical sense, is what we call the renewing of our mind. And it's what we need to do in order to win the mind wars of our life. It's also good news that God has called us and equipped us to win the mind wars of our life. As we look at Romans chapter 2, or chapter 12 and verse 2, he's speaking to Christians here. Paul says to the Roman church, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conform is interesting. He said, don't be conformed to this world. What is he saying to the Christian? He's saying that it's possible, it's possible to let your mind fall into the cesspool of lust and grossfulness. It's possible to let your mind fall into that which is holy. But Paul said, be not conformed. It means do not let your character or your mind be shaped by the world's values, by the ways and its means. Don't let, do not let your, your mind be conformed in the sense by your accompaniment and fellowship. Be not conformed to this world by your actions, your belief, by your experience, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform there is the word metamorphosis. It means to change into another form. It's, it, it's the same word that is used with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. When, when he revealed himself to, his, to Moses and, and, and they saw Moses and Elijah to his disciples. Change something new that you never knew before. In other words, it means to be transformed into something that you did not know was there. When the mind gets renewed, then we can, then we can prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Good gatekeepers have renewed minds, transformed outwardly, And personally experience the will of God in their life. You know, it's interesting, the mind, when you read through Scripture. I think that there are a lot of people who are like Saul was in the Old Testament. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. I'm going to read that to you. You remember, after David had been anointed king, Saul had had called David down to the palace to serve him. And oftentimes David would play the harp while Saul was in the palace. 
And there's an interesting verse in verse 23 of 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this, is, and this is what it says. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take the harp and play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. In other words, the anointing that was on David when he would play the harp, the distressing spirit that was on Saul would subside. The actual word, it says Saul was refreshed. The word means he was able to breathe easily. The word well means he acted right or would, was made agreeable. Saul, who was tormented by an evil spirit, when David would play with his anointing, that spirit would lift off of Saul. And Saul would breathe easily. And he'd be agreeable as long as the anointing was over on him as David would play. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's what we do as the church sometimes. People come in to the church and the body and they are tormented by spirits in their life all week long. They are attacked in their mind. They are tormented by the devil all week. And what happens is they get in the house of God and they get under the anointing and it eases that demonic torment for a short time. And they're made well or agreeable until they walk back out into the hell that they were living in. But I don't believe God just wants us to soothe the spirits of those that are tormented by demons each week. I believe God wants us to deliver people that have been tormented by those spirits. And maybe many of us, it's amazing at Christians that dismiss the power of the mind. Living with a renewed, with a renewed mind our unrenewed mind is like a distorted key. You don't use it because it distracts from the music. A mind that is not transformed by God's freedom to establish his will on the earth, a person who does not, is not transformed in their mind has limited the will of God on earth and is limited in their life. Sometimes our thoughts conflict with the mind of Christ. And the purpose of the battle is to keep is to keep you and your mind from coming into agreement with God's will. The attack on our minds sometimes is to keep us from coming into the agreement of God's will for our lives. That's why there's such an intense war that is waged in our thought life. And so, we're to renew the mind. And when we repent, it means to go back or to turn back to. It means to return to. The word really is to return to the top. Why do you think buildings call the, the top room of massive buildings? They call it what? The penthouse, right? To return to the top means to return to God's perspective of reality. A reformation that affects our intellect and our emotions. In other words, 
God transforms our mind so that we now carry the perspective of God in our lives and the reality of God. See, what happens is when our minds are not renewed, we become carnal in our thinking. And carnality is not disgusting sin. That's not what carnality is. Carnality is to live without a demonstrated power of the gospel in our lives. They lose their sense of purpose. Paul, when he left Athens and went into into Corinth, Paul decided that, Acts 18, he decided that he was not going to do what he did in Athens and Corinth. Paul said when he came into the Corinthians, he said, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you with a demonstration of the power of God. The gospel of power. A renewed mind is that we see what God sees and that the earthly realities match the heavenly realities in our lives. But I want to take us somewhere this morning. I want us to look at a couple of things. I mean, does anybody else battle this ongoing war in your mind? Or is it just me? Is there anybody else here that battles that at times? Anyone else battle the thoughts and you find yourself sometimes between faith and fear? You find yourself sometimes between I want to trust God, but I also want to be in control? Anybody else be there? Anybody else like me that battles, you know, there are times that you walk in and you're like, one minute, I'm full of God's faith. I have confidence in God. I know that he's with me. I know that he's called me. And you walk in this confidence. You know that God is for you and with you. And then one minute, at another minute, the next moment, you have this crippling insecurity that paralyzes you, that holds you back. You feel like you're not worthy to do anything. And there's this constant battle that goes on in your mind and that you constantly battle it. The mind is a battlefield. And the truth is, this morning, most of the battles of life's battles are won and lost in the mind. The good news is, God's word is powerful, not just to help you, but to transform you and renew your mind with truth. God's word is powerful enough to transform us and to renew our minds with truth. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read it in the NIV because I like the language that the NIV uses. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want us to look, beginning 
at verse 4. Now, I'm going somewhere this morning. That was kind of just a light introductory. (laughs) I'm telling you, Jesus can renew your mind this morning. He can wipe out the pollution that is in our minds, our thought lives, our, our minds that sabotage us from doing the will of God sometimes in our life. I mean, it's a real struggle, you all. I mean, there's times I can walk in here, I feel like I could fight hell with a water gun. You ever feel like that? (laughs) And then there's times I come in here and I'm like, dear God, couldn't you have picked somebody else? I mean, am I, do I have the right crowd this morning? I'm just wondering if I have the right crowd. Because there is, the, there is that battle. And winning in life sometimes is won through the battlefield of the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite. Verse 4, beginning in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. How many know that's good news? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Man, that's a great passage of scripture. You know, the Apostle Paul was the ultimate thought warrior. I mean, we, we see this in the, in the process of the Apostle Paul's life. We see this played out in Paul's life. Paul goes through this process of the renewing of his own mind. Matter of fact, we read in Romans 7, Paul talks about, I mean, he, he almost talks like a crazy man there. He's like, I do the things I don't want to do in my flesh. And there's things that I should do that I don't do that I should do. You see this struggle that Paul has? That he is battling of his mind? But throughout Scripture, we see that Paul learns. He learns how to wage war against the lies of the attacks that hit him. And he... He, he eventually learns how to take captive wrong thoughts and replace them with truth. That's what we have to do. We have to take captive wrong thoughts and then replace them with truth this morning. Now, it's interesting, the word stronghold that is used in verse 4, the end of verse 4, it comes from the Greek word akamonia, And it means fortress. It means a walled city, a fortified city. And so every attack on the mind, the devil wants to set up a stronghold in your life. And that stronghold is a deception that takes you away from God's calling and will for your life. In other words, the enemy wants to set up strongholds in your thinking that pull you away from the will of God, that pull you away from God's purpose, that sets up lies that you believe 
And it pulls you away from God's purpose in your life. The devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you're a prisoner of deception. That's what the enemy, that's what a stronghold does. The enemy tries to convince you one lie at a time until you're a prisoner of those lies. And you become a prisoner of deception. It's like this, the lies. It says, and it tells you, in strongholds such as, you can't trust people. You'll never succeed. You'll always be broke. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't hear your, hear your prayers. You're never going to amount to anything. You're broken and you can't be fixed. Those are strongholds. Those are lies that people believe and listen to time and time again, and they become strongholds in people's lives. And when they believe those things, they never can fulfill the will of God in their life. They become deceived by their own thinking. Have you heard those lies? Have any of you heard those lies? Maybe some of us have believed those lies. I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. The Lord began to lead me in this, and the next, the next 90 days... I'm going, to, I'm going to study and take time and renew my own mind. I mean, the Lord's been dealing with me about my own mind and strongholds in my own thinking. Then I'm going to walk through this process the next 90 days of my life where I'm going to break strongholds that have been set up in my lies that maybe I believed. I want God to show them to me. And I believe God wants to break those lies that have been strongholds in your life that have kept you from being fulfilled in God's perfect will in your life. The devil is a liar this morning. He is a deceiver this morning. And we're not going to believe the lie this morning. Verse 5 says, we demolish arguments. Or we, the King James says, we cast down arguments. We demolish arguments. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. This is what I've realized this last week. Do you realize our lives are always moving into the direction of our strongest thoughts? That's <laughs> what I've realized. Your life will always move into the direction of your strongest thought. Help us, Jesus. And we can ask God to renew our minds this morning. It's interesting, when I was in college... We, uh, in seminary, part of one of my classes was that we studied cognitive science, a little bit of cognitive science and psychology. And, and the truth is this, is that the scripture and science agree a lot on, on cognitive science and biblical, 
the problem related to wrong thought processes is what, is what it was. It's a study of how people think and the mind and the power of the mind. I mean, the truth is we have relationship challenges. Matter of fact, what we learned was is that many of the relationship challenges, many of the uh, anxieties and disorders and addictions that come into people's lives, the toxic thinking is a result of actual toxic thinking. <laughs> that a lot of, a lot of the, the things that people battle relationally, um, I was reading that anxiety is one of the main results of negative thinking that comes into our lives. That is, that is science confirms that. Many of the challenges in our lives come from the way that we think. Scripture also confirms it. That's why Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What's that mean? As he thinks, so he is. This is what we know. In life, life, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. The life we have and experience is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. If we say to ourselves all the time, I can't, I can't, I can't, well, you never will. Right? If we, if, we, if we think in our life, if our focus is on our problems all the time, we become overwhelmed by those problems. Those problems begin to overwhelm our lives. If we always feel that we are a victim, you will always be a victim. If you believe you can overcome, you will overcome. You can overcome by the power of Christ that is in you. In other words, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. Now, that's a powerful thought. Now, let's do something this morning. I want you to help me. This is going to help you and help me this morning. I want to do something. I want to do a thought audit this morning. Let's do a thought audit this morning. All right? And let's look at it this way. I, I want to, in three categories, I want you to look. Now, the first thought audit we're going to take is uh, on scales one to 10, okay? On this side of the scale is a worrier or to worry, right? And on this side of the scale is peaceful. So you have worry and peaceful on this side of the scale. Take a thought audit this morning. Are you someone who's always panicking? Uh, struggle with fear? That when you wake up every day, something's going to go wrong? Constantly worrying about your kids? Constantly worrying about your health? Worrying about the economy? Or are you someone who is peaceful when you wake up, you've learned how to cast your cares on God because he's cared for you? 
You learn how to be peaceful in his presence. What are you closer to this morning? The worrier or the peaceful believer this morning? Do you wake up every day in a panic of what's going to happen or what's, what's going to go wrong today? How my life is a mess today. Are you living in fear? The second one. And your thought audit. Over here is negativity. And over here is positive thinking. Do you think negative? Do you wake up every day with a negative view of life? Wake up every day critical of people? Or do you wake up every day knowing that God is good, that God's going to help me today? I know God is with me today. Regardless of what I battle or go through, I'm going to wake up on the positive side of life today and say, I know God's presence is with me and going to be with me. Wake up saying, I know all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Where are you on the thought audit this morning? The third one. We have that which is worldly over here and that which is eternal over here. Do we wake up every day worried about what we have, what we don't have? Thinking about what is temporary? Or do we think about that which is eternal? We think about, you know, whether somebody has liked our post on Facebook or not. <laughs> right? Nobody loves me. I don't have any likes. Right? Do we think temporarily, worldly? Or do we think eternal? Do we wake up every day knowing that God has gifted us in life, given us a spiritual gift, and we wake up every day knowing that we can make a difference in somebody's life today. I'm being serious this morning. On, on, on your thought audit, where are you? On your thought audit. Question, here's the big question this morning. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you this morning? I thought to myself, I asked myself that same question. And I'm going to tell you what my answer was. My answer was no. And just like many of you should this morning, I'm asking God to renew my mind to replace some of the lies and strongholds that I put in my mind and replace them with truth. To replace the lies, 
the lies of negativity, fear, self-doubt? Do you have a negative dialogue that goes on in your mind every day about yourself and about life? Do you self-talk? I know some people that self-talk themselves into craziness. I mean, everything they tell themselves is not even true, but they believe it as though it's true. Right? (laughs) You ever met people that can take one thing and make it the worst thing ever in life? They self-talk to the place to where they put themselves into such a frenzy and a mess that they, they, can't even, they can't even function. But I'm here to tell you, God can renew our minds this morning. He can renew our minds. And we're going to talk about the mind wars over the next couple of weeks, some of the battles that we have in the mind. But I want to do this this morning. I want to ask you this question. And I want to ask you to do something honestly this morning. Number one, I want you to do this. I want you to identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back in your life. Remember what a stronghold was. Stronghold is something that that holds you prisoner, that has been locked into your thought process, a mental stronghold that is a lie. It could be, I'm not good enough. My past is too bad for God to heal. I can't trust people around me. I battle with my weight, and because I battle with my weight, I'll never have value. I'll never be able to handle money. I'll never be close to God. All my relationships end up bad. I only date psychos. But these are strongholds. (laughs) It's true. Some of you, you only date psychos. (laughs) That's both for men and women. I had a guy call me one time. Uh, he used to go to this church. He don't go here no longer. I wouldn't be telling the story. But uh, he had kind of gotten out away from God a little bit, and he started dating non-Christian girls. And, um, and I told him, he came to me, and he said, hey, he was struggling with some things in life, and I, he came, and I, we were doing some counseling sessions, and he's like, hey, he says, I've been dating this girl. I'm a little worried about her. He said, uh, she got mad at me and she keyed my car. I said, she keyed your car? He said, yeah, she ran her key down my car. I'm like, because she got mad at you? He said, yeah. And uh, I was like, bro, (laughs) I don't care how good looking she is. I don't care how sweet she is. You better break that. You better break that rope off. Right? Because there's something else going on there besides Kian. She crazy. <laughs> and sure enough, he calls me in the middle of the night one night. He's like, Pastor, 
Can you come get me? Can you come get me? Come, I go, what's going on? Calm down. What's going on? He says, she's knifing my bed and she's throwing my clothes out the window and they're in the yard and the police is over here and, her, and all this chaos went on. <laughs> I thought, man, whew. So I went and helped him. He's, better, he's, he's much better off now, praise God. He got the message. Hmm. Do you know, I was, do you know that negative thoughts change the chemical makeup of your brain? That when you have negative thoughts, the chemical makeup of your brain, in other words, every thought creates what they call uh, uh, They make a neuro, what they call neuro uh, chemical change that takes place in your body. Every thought creates a chemical reaction in your body. And um, when there's positive thoughts, when you think positively, it releases a chemical called um, dopamine, right? It's, it's what gives you the thrill or gives you uh, the buzz of feeling good. You know, when somebody tells you that you're pretty or you look good today or they like your post, <laughs> there's this rush of dopamine that comes in and it makes you feel good. And what happens is you create what they call uh, uh, neuropathways in your brain. So when you think about something for a long period of time, it creates pathways in the brain. And so what happens is when you, when you go through certain familiar things, there is a default in your brain that goes to a certain place. And some of those are created by your thought process. When you think a thought, it creates a pathway. And when you continue to create a thought, when you think a when you think a thought a certain way, it's easier to think that thought again if you've thought it before. Because you create, literally, there's these billions of these pathways, these neuropathways that are built in your brain. And sometimes if they're negative, you default and you create a stronghold in your mind. And so when you go through a trial, you instantly default back to those negative thoughts in your brain. You instantly go to what's negative. If you believe a lie long enough, it'll impact you as though that lie is true. If I walk outside of my house and walk a path to my next door neighbor, Jack, every day, and I walk the same way for 100 days, back and forth every day, what will I do? I'll create a path, right? I'll create a pathway. Think what happens in your brain when you create the same thought life over a period of time. You create these pathways. But what the renewing of our mind is, being ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, is, is that you are not walking those negative paths anymore. 
And what happens if you stop walking that same path? Well, grass will begin to grow there again, right? It'll restore itself. And God is wanting to build new pathways of truth in our lives. To recapture our thoughts again and to bring them into captivity. I ask you to identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. What is it for you? Just one. Not, not all 73, just one. Because you can't defeat what you don't define. You can't have victory over what you don't know is your enemy. And so once you identify that biggest stronghold that is holding you back, the second thing I want you to do is I want you to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Because truth matters, is that not right? And what what happens is, is that we know Jesus is the truth, and to know the truth sets you free, right? And sometimes we have these negative thought life that we do not, that we default to, and we feel like they're strongholds when they're really just lies. When I was a kid, We had a, uh, this, week, this weekend's my mom's birthday. She's 79 yesterday. And happy birthday, mom, if you're watching. And uh, let me tell you, I didn't fear a whole lot of things when I was growing up as a kid. There wasn't a whole lot that I feared. But one thing I've always feared has been my mama. I've always feared my mama. Because when she speaks, everybody listens. I've seen her whip other people's kids. That's the truth. I'm not telling you a lie. And they needed it. Matter of fact, let me all tell you all this story. I I laugh at this story all the time. My my older brother, Paul, you know, he's a in high school, he was a little older than me, but he has he has this beautiful black hair. And in high school, he had this thick, beautiful black hair. Now, if you grew up in the 80s, you knew what feathering your hair was, right? Some of you lost that <laughs> on top. But guys in high school would feather their hair real back, real now. He had this thick, thick black hair. And he went through a series of seasons where he was disobeying. And my mom said to him, you keep messing up, I'm going to take you down there and cut that hair off. Well, he didn't believe her. So he sneaks out of the house one night, going to visit a girlfriend and my mom realizes he snuck out of the house. She got home from work the next day. She put him in her car, drove down to the corner barber shop, and cut all of his beautiful black hair off. He looked like he was going in the Marines, y'all. She skinned him like a cat. He came home, and he was just like all dejected. I mean, his hair was everything, man. That was his cool card, you know? Like some of you had cars, right, Gerald? That was your cool card. His was his hair. She cut that hair off. 
I was like, I am going to be good the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't even know where I was at. <laughs> God is good. <laughs> oh, I know where I was. So, so when I was a kid, we lived in a, a small house and we had uh, four of us lived at home at one time. But all of us boys had a room to ourselves. We had a whole basement that was remodeled. And in the basement, there was a cellar. You could open this cellar door, and it was a cellar that led under the porch of the house we lived in. And, uh, and so we used to torment my sister. We took her one time and threw her into that cellar. And we shut the door on her. And it didn't have a lock on it, but it had a latch on it. And I remember we put, put our foot there to hold it there, and she was trying to push to get out. And I said to her, I said, you're not going to be able to get out because I've moved this dresser in front of the door. I'd lied to her. I just held my foot there till she stopped pushing, and then she stopped pushing. I just took my foot away. And I kept saying, you're not going to get out because the dresser's in front of the door. Well, there wasn't no dresser in front of the door. There was nothing in front of the door. But she had believed that there was something in front of the door. See, the devil don't have to do anything to you. He's just got to get you to believe that you don't have the ability. Right? And many of us live well below what God has for our lives because we believe the lie the enemy is telling us. I remember she'd yell for an hour. The door wasn't even locked. And so, this morning, I want you to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold that is in your life. To demolish it, to pull it down, to take captive. To take captive, that word take captive, you know what that means? It means to attack with a sword or spear. To take captive. It means to take captive with sword or a spear. Isn't that that awesome? Because when we're told in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the armor of God, right? What is the sword of the spirit? It's the word of God. How do we take captive those strongholds and lies in our mind? By the word of God. We replace the lie. We replace the lie. We demolish the stronghold with truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. And I want you to think about that this morning. Identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back. Identify it this morning. And then I want you to, dem- I want you to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold in your mind this morning. Now, I would not ask you to do something that I've not done myself. I ask myself, what is the biggest stronghold that I that in my mind that I battle? What is mine? And I'll just tell you mine this morning. The biggest lie that I believe all the time, the stronghold, is that I'm never qualified or never enough.
that I'll never preach a good enough message. Never be righteous enough to lead a church. Qualified enough to speak. That if I give my best to the church, then I fail my family, my wife and my children. If I give my best to my home, then I fail my church. Never enough. I can't meet with everybody when everybody wants to meet or can't, you know, make everybody happy. That's the thing. I walk around thinking I'm, I'm, I'm not enough. And so I've taken that stronghold captive. I identified that stronghold. But not only identify that stronghold, but I've, I, I had to find a truth that demolishes that stronghold. And so 2 Peter, I want to read it to you because it set me free. Hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. This is what it says. As his divine power has given, us, uh, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and virtue. If you're here this morning and you think that you're never enough, you're never good enough, you're unable to do the task that God has called you to do. You're unable to do it. That's your scripture. His divine power has given, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many know God's enough? He gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He fills us. He's the one that is enough. And you have to take that element of truth and you have to begin to forge new pathways in your thinking and let the old pathways die. Pastor Adam, if you'll come. Stand with me if you would this morning. You have to capture that stronghold this morning in your life. You have to ca capture You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to renew your mind this morning. Begin the process of renewing your mind. Taking captive every thought, every lie. Maybe I've mentioned some of these this morning. My past is too bad for God to redeem. I can't trust people. Maybe that's your stronghold this morning. I'll never be able to manage money. I sabotage, sabotage all my relationships. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm not smart enough. 
I'm here to tell you that these are a lie of the devil. And you're going to take captive these thoughts this morning and take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and take that truth and demolish that stronghold this morning. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm telling you, the devil has lied to you. And it's time to break some of those lies. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning. But we're going to capture it and replace it this morning. Let me tell you, truth is not a concept this morning. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus this morning. He is the way, the truth, and the life this morning. He is truth this morning. He's not a concept. And see, the thing is, is some of us, we can't get free because we have this wrong concept, this wrong view of God. But I don't know about you this morning, but I need his truth this morning in my life. I need his truth this morning. I need his truth. Some of you have been living under the weight and the pressure of lies and strongholds that you've told yourself for so long. God wants to break that this morning. And he will break that this morning. There's a renewing of our mind that's going to take place in the next couple of weeks. And I want to encourage you to focus on that. I'm taking the next 90 days and I'm focusing on renewing my mind, strengthening my faith to believe God that what he says is true. Hallelujah. You're enough this morning. You're enough for whatever God has for you. You're enough. You're enough. Hallelujah. Now, if you have to leave this morning, I understand that. You can, you can slip out and go. And, but please don't talk inside here as we minister. But I want to open this altar up this morning. If you want to bring that stronghold up to this altar and lay it at this altar this morning and begin to proclaim the truth that demolishes the stronghold that has been in your life. I'm going to open this altar as Pastor Adam leads us in an alt worship song. I want you to join me at this altar and I want you to lay down that stronghold. Lay down that, that biggest stronghold that you feel has held you back from obtaining a lot that God has in your life. I want you to lay that stronghold down. Whatever that thought process in your life has been. I'm not smart enough. Whatever it is. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description. Or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.